You're listening to Dingin' Out, the podcast about wasting time in awesome ways. My name is David. You can find me severely slacking off at Sandbox Quint. On today's episode, I'm going to talk a little bit of Final Fantasy XIV, some Destiny, and quite a bit of Shroud of the Avatar. Today's recording date, Tuesday, September 22nd, 2015, and this is episode number seven. Alright guys, welcome back. Thanks for listening. If you're still here, thanks for sticking with me. I know it's been some time since my last episode, and uh, I'll go into that right now. Uh, Right now it's summertime, and for me and the industry that I work in and the company that I run, summertime is crazy. I like to usually record these episodes uh, when I'm alone in the house, and so that's usually sometime during the middle of the day if I get an early day off work or something like that. Uh, But the problem is I haven't been getting that chance lately. Uh, It's been 10-hour days, six days a week for the last couple months. So, uh, you know, it's busy, but hopefully it's going to start slowing down today. I end up having a little bit of time in my schedule in the morning. So here we are, back at it. So thanks again. Let's jump right into this. Uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. Last we left off, I hadn't had a chance to get into the expansion due to some uh like item level walls, I think it was. I don't know, it's been a while. Anyways, got past all that and uh, actually have gotten into the expansion. Just wanna say that it's actually really good. I'm about halfway through. I think I'm up to level fifty six out of sixty. And uh, I actually started rolling a dark knight which is one of the new new jobs or classes that's in Final Fantasy XIV. The Dark Knight is really cool. It's like a uh, tank, but use two-handed sword. Really, really beastly, at least at low levels. The w- one thing that kind of bums me out is that you start at a really low level and you have to kind of level your way all the way back up. Um, eh, whatever. It's all good. At least with a tank-type class, the dungeon cues go really quick. I'm at a point right now on my Dragoon where I'm having a hard time progressing in the story because I've done like every side quest and I've done all the main quests, like everything up to a certain point. And it, you know, the, the expansion flowed really well. Like the dragoon is my main character and he's up to like, he's the one that's up to like level 56, I think. And the, and you know, the, the XP for the story flowed really well. Gear progression is great while you're leveling up. I mean, they just, they're giving you new pieces of gear every couple quests and it really keeps your item level uh synced up and ready to go until where i'm at right now i'm at a certain point to where i think i'm 56 maybe 55 and the next quest requires you to be like the next level which is kind of it's kind of like hitting a wall it's it's really strange so you know from from 50 to 55 is just smooth sailing quest progression just going through the story playing you know along at a nice smooth pace no problems and then once i hit 55 i started getting these level gaps to where it's like you can't take the next story mission until you get to the next level uh well as a tank that's no problem you just run a couple dungeons you know get there in like an hour no big deal as a dps when your dungeon queues are 45 minutes to an hour sometimes, uh, that can take a lot of time. So it kind of kind of killed the mood for me a little. I'm not going to whine about it. 
I'll get there eventually. It's just one of those things. It's like, well, I don't kind of, I don't feel like sitting around waiting for a cue to pop on this guy right now. So maybe I'll go roll a dark knight and go play him for a while, which is what I did. You know, that gave me an opportunity to kind of dive into the dark knight class and uh, get a feel for that. It's a really cool style of tanking. A lot of AOE, um, a lot of resource management. You constantly have to monitor your your health and your MP, your magic points or whatever. I don't know. Very cool. So I was really, really into that, you know, and, and then all of a sudden my buddy calls me and I was like, dude, we've been playing some Destiny, man. You got to get back in on this before the expansion comes out and get caught up. So I go, well, it's been a while. Been a while since I've played me some Destiny. I'll hop in there and check it out. And holy crap, I got sucked down that rabbit hole deep. In just a few days, I went from like level 15 to level 32. And for some reason, I just, I had the magic dice when it comes to the random number, number generator for getting gear drops and stuff. Because uh, once you hit level 20 in that game, you can't, at least previously before the expansion, once you hit level 20, you don't level traditionally up past that. So in order to get to the cap, which is level 34, it was all based on gear that you acquired, which gives you a light level because each gear has a certain level of light and it kind of averages out. So for some reason, you know, we would run these, these um, strikes together, which are like the dungeons and then a couple, you know, just do, do stuff. And I, for some reason I was just getting the good gear. Uh, I got a gun called the fourth horseman, which is a, a fully automatic shotgun that fires off five shells in about half a second. Things amazing. But yeah, I just happened to get lucky and I, I went from level 20 to level 32 really fast. Kind of left some of my friends in the dust and then, you know, it is what it is. So the expansion just came out for Destiny and everyone's uh, everyone seems to be really liking it. They changed a few things. Um, no longer do you have to level up your light score to get past level 20. Um, they changed the light system into be more like item level or gear score in World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, it's sort of an average of your damage plus your defense on all of your gear. It's still a gate to get you into content, so you still have to make sure you get good gear. But at least, you know, in order to level up, uh, you can do it by missioning or just grinding on killing mobs and stuff, you know. But I haven't had a chance to get into it. Expansion's been out for like a week now, and I haven't even picked it up it's kind of crazy and the reason for that is i got sucked into a little game called shroud of the avatar shroud of the avatar is being made by richard garriott aka lord british who if you don't know who that is that he is like the grandfather of the modern western rpg he created the ultima series and also ultima online which I don't know if I've talked about it much in past episodes, but that was Ultima Online was like probably one of my favorite games of all time. Like, you know, if, if I had to do a top three favorite games of all time, it would be Final Fantasy VII, Ultima Online, and Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. So back in the day, I used to have a problem, <laughs> a real problem with Ultima Online. And, it, it, you know, it was one of those games where, you know, I was in high school 
And um, I lived kind of far from all of my friends. Like most of my friends lived about an hour away from me. So I didn't really, you know, get to like hang out with people. Like I had my friends at my school, but I, you know, I was kind of new in school. I moved there from, from far away. And I just kind of started playing Ultima Online based on a recommendation of some kid I met while I was at school. And he was just like, hey, you should, uh, you should come play this game, dude. It's pretty awesome. I'm like, oh, try it out. What is it about? And he kind of explained it. That seems cool. And so I started playing Ultima Online with him and not really, but he kind of like helped me out to get started. And uh, so Ultima Online is this big sandbox MMORPG. It's it's sort of, you know, cartoony, like old school graphics, top down view, like, you know, like Diablo 2 style. But it's a sandbox, so you can kind of just do whatever you want. You know, your character has a, you know, has a, a skill cap of 700 points that you can put into any different amount of skills, but each skill had a skill cap of 100 points. So really you wanted to pick like seven skills to put together to try and create your own character. And there was taming. I mean, you can go out and tame dragons and have the dragons fight for you and, you know, be a mage, all that stuff. Really, really, really cool game. The other cool thing about Ultima Online was uh, there was player housing. So you could actually have a house in the world um, and it was it was meaningful housing. Like a lot of modern MMOs just tack on housing uh, for either aesthetics or, you know, just to ha say they have housing, really. But in Ultima Online, it was uh, having a house meant something. You lived out of your house, you know, in, in games like EverQuest 2, it's like, yeah, you got a house, but how often do I ever go there? The only time I go to my house is just a, I don't know rearrange it you know just put like move stuff around in ultima online you had a bank but your bank you know in town was very small you couldn't fit a lot of stuff in there so in turn you needed storage well how do you get storage you get a house and certain houses have different levels of storage all the way from a small house with a little bit of storage to a freaking castle with tons of storage and, you know, one of the things about Ultima was that, you know, you go out and you would farm these monsters. You'd go down to the ogre, you know, into I think it was Shame where the ogre lords were. I can't remember. But you go down into, uh, you know, fight the ogre lords and you'd be fighting them, you know, for hours at a time. And over that time, you'd be collecting like magic weapons and all that stuff and, you know, gear, lots of gold, different things. There was also um, a lot of like rare drops, like rare spawns that you could take from the world that were... You know, whether they were bugs or not, I don't know. Just stuff that probably shouldn't have been able to pick up, but people found ways to get them. You know, that's the other cool thing about Ultima is that it kind of embraced the bugginess of the game. And those became like rare items for your house. But, you know, you go out and collect all these magic, you know, weapons and stuff from killing these guys. Or, you know, if you're fishing, you kill a sea monster and get a bunch of cool stuff. And then you got to have a place to put all that. And it ain't all fitting in the bank. So, you know, you'd have your house and you have chests in your house and you kind of like sort through your chests. So this would be like, the weapons chest and this would be the the armor chest and this would be this and that you know have it really organized the other thing was why that was important to keep a good stockpile of gear was that you could lose your gear you died you could lose your gear and lastly the thing i want to talk about with with ultima was uh really comes down to like the the crafting and the economy of that game because most people in modern games are used to at least modern MMOs, it's like you get a you get a piece of gear, you find this cool sword, right? 
uh, magic sword, whatever. It's got these properties on it. And you equip it. And then a thing pops up and says, are you sure you want to equip this item? If you equip it, it's going to be bound to you. You're like, what the crap? So there's no trading of gear. You can't use a sword and then, you know, if your friend starts a game and says, hey, dude, I, I'm, you know, I need to play, you know, uh, do you have anything you can help me out? Like, Here, take this sword. I used it for a while. It's good. This and that. There's none of that in modern MMOs. Um, in Ultima, you could. You know, you, none, there was no gear binding. When it comes to houses, land was a commodity in that game because there were, as soon as, as people started playing, that, that whole server filled up with houses. So if you found a house that was in danger of collapsing, because if you didn't refresh your house enough, uh, you know, once every seven days or 14 days or something like that, you had to open a door in your house to refresh it, uh, your house could collapse. And if your house collapsed, all of your stuff in that house just dropped on the ground. So that was another cool aspect of the game was running around looking for these houses that were weathered or in danger of collapsing and then sitting around waiting for them to fall and the thrill and the rush of getting that you know all the drops as much as you can but more importantly was placing a new house down on top of where that one used to be because that's how you really made money that's how i made money anyways uh was combat was was fun in that game but there was so much more that you could do than just be a, a combat guy, you know, towards the end of my, my ultima days, I was a kind of exclusively real estate trader for a while. I would go find these houses that were going to collapse. I would place a house down on top of it when it collapsed. And then I would turn around and sell that house for a huge amount of money, like millions and millions of gold because, you know, it was land in that game was so precious. So that leads me into Shroud of the Avatar. It's like my background for Ultima Online. It's kind of a long-winded introduction to Shroud, but go with it. So Shroud of the Avatar, again, created by the same guy, Richard Garriott, who made Ultima Online. And you can definitely tell. There's just something about this, uh, this new game. I mean, it's, it's, it's being touted as the spiritual successor to Ultima. They can't come out and straight up use the Ultima name because that is owned by EA when it was kind of passed along to broadsword so that you know that's all taken the only thing that that richard garriott was able to take uh from the ultimate franchise i guess he had stipulations in his contract was his character's name which is lord british and i guess the term avatar the ability to use avatar because that's a big part of the ultimate franchise and i guess the things to do with uh virtues as well i mean when you get into the story of shroud of the avatar you start like digging in i mean it's it's an ultima game uh, so let's let's get right into it. So Shroud of the Avatar, how it's different from modern MMOs and why I think it'll be successful. Number one, skill-based system. Right now there is a level-based system, like level and skill-based hybrid. From what I understand, it's this game is still pre-alpha. They're developing it alongside the community and they're active in the community. The developers are in the game. Like Lord British will just come up to you and talk to you and say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Um, so if you buy in, I mean, pledge to the game or whatever you I mean you have that experience of helping make the game because they're very serious on taking player input so skill-based system um, from what I understand right now they're gonna be probably getting rid of adventure levels and going straight skill-based like Ultima Online I think if they do that that's very good um, no defined character classes 
you can kind of build your own class out of whatever skills you want to take and level up. They have a story that's going to be the sort of the overarching story of the game that's going to be put on top of this sandbox world because the game is going to be the huge sandbox. Alongside, like much like Ultima Online, there's housing, uh, land as a commodity, space as a commodity. So if you get a good spot in town, you could turn around and sell that house for a lot of gold. Crafting is very important. All the gear and stuff is player made. Hugely, hugely important. Um, as far as I've seen so far, nothing is binding. So you can use a sword, mess around with it for a while, and then say, you know what, I'm going to make myself a better sword. Go craft yourself a better sword, and then give your hand-me-down to your friend who just started the game. That's awesome. So going back to the story on top of the sandbox, the whole thing is we're going to put a story on top of a sandbox so that it, you know, this is the way they feel like it can mesh because usually story-driven games, sandbox games, kind of clash. But if there's a story within it that's sort of tailored to you, I think it can work. They've got Tracy Hickman writing in collaboration with Richard Garriott the story of this game. Tracy Hickman is one of the authors for the Dragonlance Chronicles. Uh, he also did a lot of stuff with uh, D&D. So definitely some pedigree there uh, when it comes to the writing in this game. The other cool thing about the game is that there's no traditional quests it's not like World of Warcraft or something when you walk into a town and or a settlement and you see everyone standing around and they're just standing there and they all have exclamation points above their heads and you think, okay, go collect all the quests, go do the quests, and that's it. This game, you 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 can talk to people. Like if you went to the innkeeper and you, you started a dialogue with the innkeeper in the chat box, it's very old school. Um, you can sit there and have a conversation with him like we're using keywords. So you would say, type in the chat box, hello, you respond, hello, my, my name is this, I'm the innkeeper in this town. You know, say, you type innkeeper, and it'll tell you what an innkeeper does. You could ask if there's any work. You know, say, oh, you know, I heard that the blacksmith over so-and-so wants to, is looking to have uh, some stuff gathered for him to do this or that. You should go talk to the blacksmith. There's a journal. But the journal sort of keeps track of things in chronological order. It's not like a broken down quest list. So it's very, I don't know, man. They're, they're going really old school. And I've been seeing this a, a lot with some games like uh, Camelot Unchained. And, uh, what's the other one? Is it Prometheus? Uh, that's the one that's, am I Prometheus? It's the one that's from um, Brad McQuaid from, he remaking like an old school EverQuest style game. There's a lot of games that are doing this. Project Gorgon is going retro. Uh, it's kind of a big thing. So far, the only one that seems to be doing it really well, from what I've seen, is uh, is Shroud. I mean, this you know Richard Garriott for for whatever reason, uh, he just that dude knows how to make a good game. Going back to the the whole questing thing, so yeah, you would walk over to the blacksmith across the town, be like, "What's up, homie? Heard you got some work." Be like, "Yeah, actually, I I need a hammer." Because mine just broke. Do you think you can go find one? You go fetch one for me. I heard they sell them at this person. So you go over and buy the hammer from the 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 trading goods vendor. Bring it back to him. You drag it on to him, and uh, and then you know the quest is done, and he'll either give you a reward or sometimes they don't give you a reward, which is kind of weird. I did a I did this quest that was like took me like an hour. She's like, I don't have anything to give you, but you have my eternal gratitude. It's like, oh man, 
I just ran everywhere looking for your husband who's lost in the woods. But they, they want the game to feel more like a world, like a virtual world. And that's a good way to put it. Um, modern MMOs feel like a game. World of Warcraft feels, they do a lot of systems to gamify it. Final Fantasy XIV feels like you're playing along to a game. Um, you don't ever feel like you're living in a world. At least I don't. Uh, the only times I've ever felt that were Ultima Online, EverQuest 1, before the Luckland expansion, and in this game again, Shroud of the Avatar. Uh, and, you know, I would say even maybe Mortal Online. Mortal Online, you could feel that way because you really get involved. But yeah, uh, you just feel like you're living in a virtual world. Like, even though you might not play for a couple days, things have gone on in this world. It's not all about just level up and do this and that and get to the end boss and raid it and raid it and raid it and raid it and, and you know, gear grind and all that stuff. Shroud of the Avatar is much more about socializing, much more about crafting, much more about adventure. You just go out into the world and say, hey, why don't we go check out this shard fall and see if we can get some good crafting materials because one thing they're doing with the pvp in this game which it hasn't been implemented yet but it's coming so they're going to have some form of player looting when you pvp it's a very highly debated topic uh, i'm kind of i'm for it because what it does is it keeps when you have player looting it keeps the crafting economy bustling because people have to constantly be making gear and that's like the biggest shock to people when they come to a game that is like player looting uh, it's like, wow, I can lose my gear. I don't want to lose my gear. Like, what if someone, you know, and that's that's coming from a World of Warcraft mentality or an EverQuest mentality where it can be really, really hard and take a long time to acquire a certain item, uh, whether it be long quested or raid, you know, week after week and all that stuff. And yeah, in those games, player looting would be awful. But in a game designed for it, in a game designed where nothing is bound to you, where gear is just a crafting station away, it's not that bad. To have player looting. Uh, but they're not going to do full loot. So what they're going to do is a couple of things. Um, they're going to do a ransom system for gear. Where like if you if I kill you. You're going to get a little pop up and say. Oh he can take your gloves. You can pay this much gold to keep your gloves. Or you can just let him take your gloves. And you're, you can say, okay, pay the gold. And, and then if you click to pay the gold, then I, who killed you, would get that gold instead of getting your gloves. Which, um, that might be the more popular option. Because then I don't, I don't want to have to worry about trying to sell your gloves or something. Unless it's something I want to use. So that's one thing. The other thing that they're doing uh, is uh, going back to just exploring and adventuring is crafting materials are going to be really, really important. And they're going to be putting some... Um, very important crafting materials in the PvP zones. There are these zones called shard falls, which are basically shards from the ex like. There's a a moon or planet floating around the world. You can see it at night. That's all just broken up into a bunch of pieces. So those those comet pieces in certain areas have fallen down to the ground, and so those are going to be really resource rich areas. But they're also open PvP areas. And one of the things they're talking about doing is is like. Anything that is looted in a PvP-enabled zone, like if you're out there harvesting crafting materials, anything that is looted in that zone, whether it be from monsters or, or harvesting, can be looted from you if you are killed. So it's going to be high risk, high reward in those zones. And I feel like that's a good balance because it's going to drive people 
to really go into those zones to get the rare crafting materials. Um, it's it's it seems like a good way to do it. You, you know, otherwise, why would people go there? You know, unless you're just looking to roam in PvP, those zones will probably be dead. But now you're going to have an economy going on in there. People want to get in, get out, you know, um, probably bring some protection with them. You know, there's a whole thing of if you're a crafter and you want to get some of this rare material, you can hire a mercenary guild. Like there will be mercenary guilds, you know, there's, you know, I'll, heck, I would do it. You know, I'd be like, hey, you want to go out there and get this stuff? Me and my buddies will come help you and we'll protect you, but you got to pay us, you know. It provides a lot of opportunity for that. And then also just for random exploration, uh, I found this dungeon. I was actually taken into this dungeon by a guildmate of mine. And the level of detail and exploration inside this dungeon was unmatched for anything I've seen. Uh, there's hidden switches on the walls that open hidden doors that you wouldn't even see if you were just walking by. Like you just seriously just walk by and never know that that hidden pathway was there that leads you to all sorts of other places cool bosses the dungeons are just creepy and dark and that's another thing that's really important in this game is lighting the dungeons are very dark so you have this little spell called light and you cast it and it puts a little sun that kind of hovers around your head and it gives you a little bit of lighting through the area but it's not not a lot so you can only see like 10 feet in front of you everything else you can kind of see but it's really dark it adds great atmosphere to the game just, oh man, there's so many cool things that, that they're doing. Uh, granted, it's still, like I said, early alpha. There's still a lot of bugs, a lot of tweaking that's going to be going on. I mean, every week there's an update to the game that something's getting changed. Uh, the skill system, this this new, um, they just put in the like a used-based skill system that is like, if you want to get good at using a sword, use a sword. But it's kind of janky right now because it's like, if you want to get good at using a sword, you have to have a, a hidden pool of points that will get put into that sword skill. And to get the, that hidden pool of points built up, you have to go kill monsters, and it creates like this XP pool to draw from. And that's a little janky, because I've leveled up to my guys like level... Adventure level 38, and like I said, I think the adventure levels are going to be going away, but I think the XP pool is based on your adventure level. I'm not sure. In order for me to get XP points, like I wanted to switch from swords to bludgeon so I could use hammers instead. Uh, and I can't just go out and fight with a hammer and level up because I don't have that XP pool built in to, to distribute points into that. So there needs to be a way to fix that. And I know it's they're working on it um, because, yeah, I would just like to go out and start swinging a hammer on some things and, and uh, you know, getting levels. But it's like you got to start killing mobs first, and as you're killing these monsters, you'll get XP built up in a pool, and then, then it'll start drawing into that. So it's really hard to switch weapons halfway through the game. That needs to be a, you know, addressed, and it is. One of the things I really like about Shroud is just how involved the devs are. I mean, they're always on the forums talking to people, taking feedback, changing the game based on what the players feel works and doesn't work. It's, um, it's really kind of unparalleled what they're doing i haven't seen this much like community involvement in a game development ever really so anyways that's kind of <laughs> what i've been up to um just playing a lot of shroud and uh, i will probably get into the destiny expansion this week maybe talk about it on the next episode if you guys are interested in checking out you know any of the shroud of the avatar stuff i've been doing some let's play videos 
on it and they're going really well seems to get getting a lot quite a positive response so this is what i think this kind of leads me into what my plans are for this podcast and for uh, my videos and all that stuff because for a while i was experimenting with this podcast being new and trying to say well maybe i could put it to like overlay to some gameplay videos and all that stuff um get it on youtube um, but I think I'm not going to do that anymore. I think I want this podcast to just sort of be like an audio blog, which is what I originally intended it to be. Just kind of me rambling and talking about what I've been up to just as a personal uh, exercise for myself. So I'm going to keep the podcast as just an audio format. Uh, but I am going to start getting more into Let's Play videos, doing that kind of stuff on YouTube, because I actually found that I, I quite enjoy doing it. Um, recording the videos and editing it down and adding, you know, if I need to add music or speeding up and slowing down parts and kind of creating this video and then putting it out there with narration, talking about what I'm doing and all that stuff. It's a lot of fun for me. I know some, I kind of thought that maybe just having a podcast laid over some gameplay footage kind of sounds janky because sometimes I'll be doing other things than what I'm actually talking about and it just kind of doesn't really seem to sync very well. So that's kind of the future of this thing. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep an every other week schedule like I originally intended. Just, uh, you know, at least until work slows down. Like today is kind of an anomaly that I actually have time to sit and record this thing. So anyways, that's that. I'm going to get them out as much as I can. A couple of other notes as I'm wrapping this thing up. I removed the comments section from my podcast website. And the reason for that is I was getting about 100 emails a day for spam approval, comment approvals. I have spam filters on my page, but for some reason, I don't know, they're just not working very well. Like they, they, they filter a lot. Like they probably filter like 500 out of 600 comments, but still my phone is just blowing up on me all day long. I think I'm getting texted and it's actually uh, an email alert with spam it was driving me crazy. So no more comments on that. If you do want to get a hold of me, talk about anything, you can always send me an email like Nathan. Uh, he emailed me and said, hey, man, like you, my P99 Steam died off pretty quick, but I remember you talking about there needs to be a P99 setup for Star Wars Galaxies. He says, dude, I found one. I don't know if you've played it, but it's called SWG Emu. Check it out. It's classic Star Wars Galaxies later. Nathan H. Uh, yeah, man, I have played that, and it is cool. That game is a trip. It's it's, it's so weird because it doesn't control like anything. Uh, uh, it's, it's That thing exists in a bubble. Like It's its own little world and own little set of rules. And um, Also very inspired by Ultima Online. Uh, sandbox style with housing and crafting is all super important and you know the old school Star Wars Galaxies was skill based and you create your own class do what you want so it's cool yeah I have played it um, it's kind of buggy that that server uh, when I played it it was it was kind of hard to to get rolling but what it comes down to for me is just time I don't have a lot of time anymore and what I do it's just like I said I've been so sucked into Shroud of the Avatar um, and actually if you're playing that you might want to try Shroud because there's a lot of similarities to Star Wars Galaxies and Shroud. Aside from, you know, it's not really Star Wars. It's a fantasy-based setting. But um, a lot of cool stuff with housing and, you know, having player vendors and crafting and all that stuff. Really, really cool. So thanks for the, that email. Um, continue along. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to get a hold of me, email me. 
You can find me on Twitter at SandboxQuint. Uh, definitely super active on Twitter. Probably that's where I'm mostly active is Twitter. The other thing is uh, look me up on YouTube, which is uh, I'm SandboxQuint on YouTube. Two words, Sandbox and Quint, different words. For some reason, they wouldn't let me do one, one solid word for a name. Uh, so it's first and last name, Sandbox Quint. And I've been doing some Let's Play videos, and I'm going to be doing a lot more on there. If you're at all interested in Shroud, check it out. And lastly, yeah, email me, sandboxquint at gmail.com. Anyways, that's it for the show, guys. It's a long one. I'm probably going to have to edit this one down and cut out a bunch of stuff just because. But uh, you won't know that. It's magic. Thanks again. I'll see you guys back in a little bit. <laughs>